Hey now. Hi. There we are. What's up, guys? <clears throat> We're back with oh, another no. episode of the Rogers Podcast. No sound. Hey. No sound. Oh, that's my fault. There it is. Uh, I have Maybe. to reset the switcher squeezer, and then I have to reset the sound on the switcher. Uh, and then yeah. I forgot to do that, and they didn't hear my wonderful Indiana Jones intro. I thought it was great. It was from the Indiana Jones game uh, for Super Nintendo that uh, was released back in 1991, I believe. No, probably 93. Uh, so um, we are back with a full episode, a uh, regular show, and probably one of the last, I, I would say we have one more month of maybe at the most of these in quarantine. <laughs> we'll see. Wait, what... so you're saying like four more of these? Four more of these shows. These these shows. Uh, still, we'll do our, our weekly show while we're in quarantine. Sure. Uh, but, you know. Wait, wait. You mean four more? When I say four more of these, I mean long shows, like four more weeks? Of, of live shows? Yes. I don't know. I really don't know when I could bring you guys back. Gotcha. Uh, Understood. But, you know. Oh no! Daily shows are still going. It's as long as Squeeze is still in quarantine, and we're still going to do our lunch break show. Yep. And we might even be able to figure out a way to do it, you know, once a week or so uh, when he's back in the studio. Yeah, and sit right next to him. And reset yeah. the switcher for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we put cameras right the wide shot, and then this, we'll need three cameras, and I got four on the thing, so I'm set. Uh. But uh, there's a sweet little two box. Uh, so, yeah, you know, who knows when this is going to end? They say uh, we, our county in Pennsylvania goes into yellow light June 4th. But uh, we discussed uh, when we're bringing people back. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I know. Uh, in, the ba- in the past, We'd be on twelve hours later than we are now. It would be like midnight, and you and I would be. We we called it our morning show squeezer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. I kind of like these. Uh, I like I do like the like short watch-alongs. Like I do good bursts. but I do miss I do miss the long form shows. At, like doing like three hours at night. Yeah, three hours at midnight, Just, or like well, we'd start like. Sometimes ten thirty eleven. Yeah, we'd start at ten. We we'd start talking at ten thirty and eleven, and by about twelve, we'd start doing the show. Jason says Disney's opening July eleventh. Are you going, Jason? Yeah, uh, we're, we're. You know what? I have an idea to do a live show. Uh, maybe once July starts, uh, 
for a watch a live watch along show, a live YouTube show that that'll be done at night. I found uh, an hour long movie uh, for USA's Up All Night, and I kind of I want to watch that uh, while we while while we're up all night together. Yeah, I'd like to start mixing more if we when we do eventually you know go back to somewhat normal schedule. Definitely work more watch alongs in. We'll try to. Try to, yeah. It's tough enough when we're back to normal schedule getting one night to do our podcast. No, but I mean, like, you know, do a full watch along one night instead of, like, the normal format show. Break huh? it up from time to time. Yeah, we could. We've done it before. We did Turtles like that a while back, didn't we? No, we did. The only watch along we did before these was uh, uh, Christmas Vacation. Oh, was it really? Yes. Huh. We did Turtles at the beginning of quarantine. <laughs> oh, well, that felt like... I was going to say that felt like months ago, but it was months it ago. It was months ago. Uh, so, yes, we've only uh, done, um, yeah, yeah, badly edited B-movie. I figured we could stay up all night, get some uh, pizza delivered and some cold beer so I could actually drink during the show for a change and uh, watch up all night, maybe in July, a nice summer summer night movie. But, uh, you know, that depends on... Uh, our little sweet boy over there. Uh, he's got two children. He's got to get and keep in bed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. There was... I don't know how I'm functioning right now. 3.30. 3.30, finally. I could have slept, like, from 9 to 11 when they actually slept, but I was busy doing my work here for this show. Be prepared. Had to be prepared for you folks. Can I do Joe asked if I can do Trump saying up all night in the Rhonda Shear style. She would be like, You would say, Up all night. She'd do the high one. Everybody, stay tuned for a great movie. A, a wonderful movie. It's a really a lot of people have told me it's it's a A movie, not a B movie. I quite frankly don't know. I have not seen it, so we're gonna be here on USA's Up All Night. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> W-A-N-B-C. That's a, for Eric right there, the pig virus. Uh, so we are talking summer. And last night you texted me kind of worried, like, we've already done 30 summer blockbusters. How are we yeah. going to do any more? This, is, this is the fourth one. There are fucking plenty. We could do at least 10 of these. <laughs> yeah. There's so many fucking summer. Well, I, I was worried that we picked, we went through all the good stuff. But like, where are all the big summer blockbusters that I think of? And yeah, there's more than enough. Because once they made one, they realized they should make a lot more. Yeah, we'll talk about that kind of original prototypical movie uh, at the end of the show. But uh, to start with, I believe, Mr. Squeezer, you are our first victim today, right? Yes, sir. So let me load up your clip. Um, the problem with these doing them video clips is I have to rejigger the switcher every time I, uh, so Eric, going back, I had this plan about what, two years now I was going to go back and do a master spreadsheet of all the <laughs> episodes we've done and the uh... content and them, including even jokes and all that shit. <laughs> um, what I end up doing is I go through, put it one and a half speed and then hit the 15 second skip button until I hear a video clip kick in. And that's how I know what we did. So I did that for three shows last night. Um, I have a spreadsheet of most of the shows we did. And I have an archive page. It's like 
60 pages of all my notes and all my picks, but I don't log squeezers on them. So uh, it's kind of it's kind of tough to. Yeah. But what's fun about doing it this way is I listen to old shows immediately before and it was hang on. I have it written down here somewhere. Uh, it was episode 87, hmm. which at one point you go, well, we're an hour we're an hour and a half in and we're only on your third pick. So we should start getting, get going on this. And you just laughed because it now it's like, Oh, okay, fine. We have to like, we used to like worry that we were like rambling too much. Hit all our first shows. I remember when we first had an hour, we're like, Oh, are people going to listen to an hour? If you, there's an episode where we're talking, uh, it's the Saturday morning cartoons too. And uh, we go off on a. T- I I go over every fucking <laughs> schedule of yes. Saturday morning cartoons. It's it's beautiful. Uh, Joe asks, "Have I ever told the story of how the rad years started?" Yes, I collect a lot of old toys, uh, and I started roping Squeezer in on my trips to uh, Toy Fair, and um, I got him to go to Comic Con New York with me. And what we well during our job we sit in the hallway and wait for professional baseball players to come out and do five minutes of interview uh, interviews with us. And I qualifies I, us to be dentists. I kept talking about doing a YouTube show uh, where I would like show off like my toys, like Ryan's toys, and that was like the thing for a while. That's that was what it was going to be. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but I, I still had this account with Podbean for like a failed podcast we attempted years prior. And I wouldn't say it fit yet. It was pretty popular, but we just deleted it. It's gone. Um, it needs to be. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, well, what about a podcast? And it, I was like, uh, I have this idea instead of my first episode of Ryan's Toys to do it as a podcast. I even had a remember I had a full script and the drop ins mm-hmm. match the script for that first. If you go back and listen to the first Batman uh, 89 episode, I had it all scripted out. Uh, and when there was, there was audio drop-ins to match it. And, um, yeah, that, that, then the next week he's like, what do we do? I go, well, there's a lot of shows that do this. You like pick 10 format and go back and forth. Let's do that. And he, you know, that's what we stuck with. But, uh, to, st- to start before that started, I started, um, an Instagram called the rad years, which you, a lot, uh, you guys all follow. And, uh, I, I made the, Purple Source Rex, our avatar, and I think I posted, I don't know, uh, one of my, so I started posting my collection, a, a Kitty City t-shirt or something, I don't know what my first post was, mm-hmm. and I told Squeezer, hey, I want you to do this podcast with me, and our friend Doug was going to do it with us too, remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we were going to do it at the office, but you were just like not comfortable. Um, yeah, it felt weird, especially then. Yeah, and that so... Um, we just, we did it at my house, uh, my apartment at the time, and I I was like, all right, we're gonna start the podcast, but I want to wait till we get twenty five followers <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> ah, the good old days. Yeah. Um, uh, four, cut to four years later. Here we are, almost four oh. years. Oh, and you guys don't, don't worry about it. I I didn't have a show picked for tomorrow, so you guys just did all the legwork because I had I had a couple of video powers pulled that i was watching so maybe we'll do that tomorrow what's that video power uh okay 
and the power team. So, per request. Because someone requested the power team quite some time ago. Yeah, E-Rock said it in, uh, on Instagram on a DM. Um, but I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. Oh, it's a, it's a gem. It is a treat. And video power, it, it, it just regurgitates the 90s. It's so perfect. Are you going to sneeze? Uh, it's stuck. Take take your note. Don't, I don't lost it. just cut to me. Punch yourself up too. I lost it. Ah, uh, you got take your take like your knuckle like this and down the bridge of your nose and just kind of push down and wiggle it like that, like this. There you go. It'll come out. I think I lost it. Um. All right, so. Uh, Let's uh, start with Squeezer. You ready to start with your first pick? Summer Blockbusters 4. Everybody, here's Squeezer's first pick. Oop, put the other a child's joy. A mother's love. A friend's devotion. In this season of peace, share the magic with your family. Steven Spielberg's E.T. The Extraterrestrial from Universal Pictures. Rated PG. Now playing a theaters near you, check newspapers. Check newspapers. Uh, it's funny that uh, it's freezing up on me. That commercial, it was a Christmas commercial for E.T. I can't hear you, buddy. Oh, sorry, I have my, oh. I was potted down. It stayed in theaters that long. It was in theaters for over a year. I think it's still considered having the longest theatrical run, straight run of all time. Um, not counting when they put it back in theaters and took out not the guns. Counting, like a straight, it stayed in theaters. Like that was a Christmas commercial. This movie came out in June. It was a legit summer blockbuster. This made uh, seven hundred ninety-two million dollars uh, in theaters, which now it's like, pff, all right. And the fact that it was also in maybe four times as long as some movies. But still, this it's was funny. a time Joe, where... Joe brought up Czech newspapers at the end of it. Like yeah. That was generally the only reason I ever looked in a newspaper when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. you, yeah. You're like, what is playing? You wanted to see that. I, movie listings and magic eyes. That's all they were ever good for. I can do the magic eyes. Uh, the funnies. Uh, you can take uh, this all out. But there was, there was a time where... You didn't. You didn't have a choice. Like, this didn't come out on VHS or on Beta or anything at the time for years, and they weren't gonna. The movie like this wasn't something that you just put on TV like that either. That's where like Death Wish Four, you know, was on like UPN, but uh, like you didn't see this. Like there was no streaming. There was no like immediate release to get. So if you wanted to see it, you had to go to the theater and see it. And there was nothing else to do in the early 80s. No, that's why I got here. There was nothing else to do. So my parents were like, hmm, boom. And yeah, so people just kept going and going. And if you're going to keep going to the movies to see this particular movie, mm -hmm. you'll keep it in. And the home video market was, especially in 1982, was not uh, no. at all big at all. Fancy rich people had VCRs and Man. betas. And, 
Um, I agree. It is a creepy movie. That the it's whole such host- a sad movie. Yeah. It's the first movie that, as a kid that teaches you don't trust the goddamn government. Oh yeah. Wow. Oh, they're so evil. Um, E.T. I can thank E.T. for the fact that, and no offense, Eric, I am not named Eric because my middle name was going to be Thomas, regardless family name. Um, so they wanted Derek instead of Eric. Well, originally. <laughs> Originally, Just, they wanted to go with Eric, but my dad's like, no, that E.T. movie's out, and kids are going to make fun of him, even though by the time I'd be old enough, it would have been years later. As it turns out, <laughs> um, they made fun of me anyway, so it might have been easier to just name me E.T. and, uh, no. So, you're, they're going to name you Derek, or Eric, and since they, they, they didn't want you to be E.T., they just added the D. <laughs> Is that how you got named? No, no, I got the D because, no, it was, I should rephrase that differently. You got Um, the D, everybody. They're going to go with Eric. Then my mom wanted Mark with a C. And no offense to Mark's with a C. And I know a few. He's a nice guy, but my dad wasn't fond of that. And then he was listening to uh, Layla, and uh, he goes, ooh, Derek. So, yeah, I'm named after Derek and the Dominoes. I still want to believe that they just put a D in front of the E because they didn't want you to be E.T. <laughs> the super creative Mama Squeezer. But that would have been great, though, because I'm D-E-R-E-K. So that would have meant I would have been Eric E-R-E-K, which really would have fucked with people's heads. Mm, that would have pissed Ralph Garman off something fierce. Mm. This this uh, movie, uh, I've talked about it on the show, uh, just when we were doing Candy, made uh, Reese's Pieces a worldwide fucking phenomenon just because that alien munched on that shit. Oh, everybody wanted to eat them. I wanted to eat them. Everybody. And M&M's passed on it. It could have been M&M's. But Hershey's is like, uh-uh, we'll do Reese's. Mm-hmm. Here it is. I mean, yeah, it made them what they are. And it made the movie. It was one of those product placements that worked. You know, same thing with the speaking spell. <laughs> You know, like, it, it didn't feel forced. It felt natural that it existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know how I feel about that kind of shit. Um, I prefer forced, but come on. Yeah. What's that? I prefer forced. Like like the Heineken and Swordfish? Yes. <laughs> that's, that's about as bad as it gets. There is a fly in here, Squeezer. I don't know. I know. I love it. I don't know I'm how. watching you profile, and it's actually even more hilarious. I'm going to whack the shit out of this thing with this box. Uh, I can't wait till you, like, take out, like, half the equipment, <laughs> and you're just... Yeah, I um, I agree with Brian. Squeezer, Reese's Pieces, do they still hold up? Oh, fuck yeah, they still hold up. Reese's Pieces still hold up. <laughs> yeah, check it off your list. Um, I actually have my E.T. bank. Oh, shit, I should have brought it in here. It's over there. Um, but it's like one of those like ceramic uh, like coin banks where like the only way to get stuff out is to break it. Hmm. It's like, why would you do that it's they, didn't, shitty... they don't have a it doesn't have a rubber stopper in it no it's solid on the bottom well that's stupid yeah it's really dumb uh there i think there might be like 17 cents in there or something because i Ooh. realized i stopped putting money in there because i was never going to get it out because i'm not breaking that damn thing it's awesome the best is too it even has little reese's pieces like on it you know what i'll run and get it when we play the next video clip um we'll we'll play one of yours all mine are short oh okay uh yeah i what I did later was I took like the 30 and a 15 and packaged them together because I just couldn't make up my mind because movie TV spots are just so much fun. Um, I loved E.T., but it's heartbreaking. 
Like I can't. It's basically like watching the last episode of Alf over and over again. Goddamn government coming and taking our alien friends. Yeah, but uh, Comcast showed us he came back to visit for Christmas. Well, that's true. And Happy ABC. Ending. Happy ending. ABC let us know that Alf had a nice cushy gig with the military after the fact. So, yeah. Um. This was so. This came from a little guy, a little director named Steven Spielberg. Uh, so originally they wanted a sequel to Close Encounters. And he's like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And is that how he said it? What's that? You acted that like you, you put inflection on that. I wasn't sure if that's exa- you were just doing an impression of how he said it. Um, I'm sure that's exactly how he said it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and then he came up with they developed the E.T. idea off of the sequel to uh the Close Encounters thing. And then originally it was going to be a little more scarier. And then a lot of those elements that got cut and made it more of a kid's movie, those elements went on to be poltergeist. So there's a whole like chain of starting with the studio (laughs) wanting to make more money off of Close Encounters, which then gave us E.T. and poltergeist. Um, Joe asks who wins in the last man standing, Alf or E.T.? Alf every day. Alf every time. Yeah. Every time. Because he's... He, he looks like a giant cat. Alf would eat him. Yeah. Like a, a, one of those uh, naked cats. What are they called? The naked cats. <laughs> what are those naked cats called? Naked cats. You're the, you're the cat guy around here. Yeah, and I gave you the answer, and you're not listening. Naked uh, cats. Naked, all right, I hear you. There's, but there's like a technical term, like Palomino or some shit like that. Oh. Uh, if you want to see something that's really cool and really heartbreaking, uh, look up, uh, what's his name? Henry Thomas, the kid that plays the little kid in his audition. And so Spielberg brought this kid in and he uh, says he didn't give him a script, just goes, hey, uh, this guy here, he's a government agent and he wants to take your alien friend. You need to do everything you can to tell him, no, you can't take him with you. And this kid just goes off and he just breaks into tears, like running down his eyes like you can't have him. He's my friend. And it's heart-wrenching it's great it's on youtube uh it's up there and you just hear Spur- spielberg he's like oh you got the job how many times has like your daughter had something that was like basically trash and you wanted to take it away from her and she's like no you can't it's my friend there was literally a um you know like the little ball pits yeah like we have a little one and there was there's like 30 of these balls and one got like cut, stepped on, whatever, crushed. So it was just this crinkly mess, and it's literally like peeling apart. And I went to go throw it out, and she had a meltdown because <laughs> that was her favorite broken ball. Right. So my point is, it's not much of a stretch. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. <laughs> I threw it out. As you she wasn't looking. That's what I do with all her stuff. <laughs> um. Yeah, E.T. was epic. It's also compared to a uh, a Christ parable. Mm. Uh, and when confronted with that, they make Spielberg every movie goes, a fucking Christ parable. Spielberg goes, um, ask my mother how she would feel who owns a kosher deli downtown L.A. if I made a Christ parable film. Yeah, right. <laughs> he runs the Shoah Foundation. He did, Well, I mean, at the time he didn't do it, but um, – Fucking people. Everything's a Christ parable. Yeah. I don't like this and movie personally. I, I really no. Not a fan. I tried oh. to rewatch it, but fuck. 
it didn't hold up, in my opinion. Oh, you're nuts. It's so good. I like Reese's Pieces, but I don't like the movie. Oh, fun little note, too. The So a lot of the story comes from Spielberg's like childhood. Basically, it's like his life story just with an alien. Um, but, uh, the working title was, uh, Boy's Life, which is also the title to the Boy Scouts of America's magazine. Which, yeah, I used to get Boy's Life. Steven Spielberg is a, uh, member, well, I don't know what happened. I know he was threatening to give up his Eagle Scout over the whole gay thing, but then I think once they, like, settled, like, he took it back. So, yeah, he was, like, a high-ranking member in the Boy Scouts of America for a long time. There is a like weird rumor in Hollywood that Steven Spielberg. Then uh, it's funny you say he's an Eagle Scout. Somehow uh, linked to the child pedophile stuff that Corey Haim and Corey. I don't believe it, but it's like Spielberg. Read this. This is why he dropped out of some movie just recently. Well, I mean, to be fair, like you can. Everyone works with everyone out there, so there's possibility of like. You worked with someone that did do something like that. Mm. Your hands may be clean, but theirs aren't. Or you could just be an absolute complete creep. Who knows? Who knows? Doesn't make good movies anymore, so. Yeah, I tried to have that fight with you. You know you did. I just showed you the proof. (laughs) Well, the the problem, though, is like you draw the line before saving Private Ryan, and you're just ridiculous that's because the lost world came out before saving private ryan movie's awful yeah well to be fair i mean howard the duck came out before phantom menace he didn't direct it though oh that's true and i like phantom menace i know that's what i'm saying oh uh he he before Phantom Menace, the last movie he directed was The New Hope. Makes sense. Your witness. Affleck was the bomb in Phantom Smith. <laughs> um, okay, so that's E.T. Here mm-hmm. is my neck. Our first first pick. How long is this clip? 30 seconds. Mary. My Mary? I love Ruby! MTV Radio calls it the funniest movie of the decade. The Animal House of the 90s. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Rolling Stone calls it the biggest and boldest laughs of the summer. Ow! Sensational sicko fun. How's everything? Fine. You know, I'm drunk like bull. <laughs> There's something about Mary. Ready to Special sneak preview tomorrow. Check newspapers. <laughs> oh, I love this movie. I'm a cat. What? I'm like a cat. Oh, uh, you, you get it? Didn't even know I was gone. Yep. I mean, I, I I didn't know you were gone, so that's true. I have a video of you right next to me. I didn't. Well, right, let's see it. Show it off. Oh. Should I put you in full screen? No, oh, no. Sure. Let me see. Is that? Yeah. There we go. There he is. Hey, look at his little Reese's pieces. Yeah, he's got a little Reese's pieces there on the ground, <laughs> and I love this little thing. There's the little coin slot. On uh, the back, there's a little full. His uh, his back looks like uh my waist when I sit down, <laughs> and then uh, 
But yeah, this is what sucks. Like you look at the bottom and you can fix that. Yeah. I'm I'm sure you probably could. It looks like it's like a separate kind of plaster that you could probably like core it out. But yeah. I'm not about to mess with it. I had this thing far too long, so. Yeah, I mean... And this is where I drop it on the show, and everyone sees me cry. <laughs> the eyes are cool because they actually have like those like glassy like doll doll's eyes. Oh. Where did you get that? Um, I don't know. I've always had it. Um. I think my parents, my dad might even had that before I was like even born. Not going to lie. I should ask my mom that. Uh, Eric, it's, I I just, it's always existed. It's funny you say that. He said he hated Favre when this movie came out, something about Mary, because the Packers destroying the Pats in 95 Super Bowl. The Farley brothers wanted Drew Bledsoe because they're from New England and that's, that's what they wanted. But apparently he busted up his arm in some moshing incident and he couldn't do the movie. Then Steve Young turned it down because of content, pussy. And then Brett Favre, who I like because he was a Minnesota Viking, um, he <laughs> decided to sign on for the movie. Now, this is, is such a good summer blockbuster because it's funny, it's enjoyable, it still holds up, and it made a fuck ton of money off a $23 million budget. When you gross $369 million worldwide, nowadays that might not seem a lot, but when... That's because movies are made for $250,000. This was made for $23 million, fourth highest growing film of 1998. And I remember seeing this in the theater with my friend Kate. We saw it at the General Cinema behind the mall, Squeezer, mm -hmm. the movie theater, um, because they weren't carting. Uh, it was rated R, and I was not uh, 18 yet. And um, so we saw it there. I remember specifically we saw it just before I went on vacation with my buddy Mike and his family down in Ocean City, Maryland, right after that. We saw it. And when we were down there, it was a rainy day. And the, the, the movie theater in Ocean City, Maryland, we saw uh, Halloween H2O uh, there, which was, which was great, too. <clears throat> 1998, good year. For movies uh and uh this movie is hysterical uh, i think the joke that got uh perf perforated perforated it's perforated per I, which proliferated prolif the joke that permeates uh pop culture still mm -hmm. was the load and the, 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 the semen in the hair mm -hmm. um <clears throat> So, uh, yeah, that, that joke is great. Uh, Magda's hanging boobs were hysterical, too. There are so many good... Oh, and, 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 and I, the thing I think about this movie that a lot of people don't get, Matt Dillon's comedy turn as that creep, Pat Healy, was so good. And they wanted Bill Murray to play that, actually, because <laughs> it was right after they did uh, Kingpin. <laughs> term semen, not load. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the, the semen in there. You're welcome. Uh, uh, so um, that would have been a different movie. I think still funny with Bill Murray as Pat Healy, but Matt Dillon was really good and creepy as Matt Dillon. Uh, apparently, uh, John Stewart and Owen Wilson were other actors in talks to take the Ben Stiller role in something about Mary. But this really made Ben Stiller a star. It was, uh, and Cameron Diaz was already a star from The Mask. That was her big role. But this like showed her, everyone was in love with Cameron Diaz after this movie. Like there was something about Mary 
uh, we all were, and they just like had her in a skimpy little underwear in it. Um, I don't know if in today you can have a regular actor playing a mentally a handicapped actor as a Warren. W. Earl Brown played Warren. Uh, was not mentally handicapped. A um, mm. lot of good actors. Chris Elliott as Woogie in this when he gets the rashes and everything. Uh, and his, his, his like perfect wife with the cigars, the beard. You want some fresh baked cookies? You know, when they're at his house. There's so many good, good funny moments. And uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Brett Favre was just, I thought it was really cool. And it was a really funny moment when he did this. Brett Favre. <laughs> and people still do that to this day when they say Brett Favre. Brett Favre. <laughs> um, a lot of uh, people love this movie. I read some, uh, my favorite critic ever, Roger Ebert, gave it three out of four stars saying, what a blessed relief is laughter. It flies in the face of manners, values, Political correctness and decorum, it exposes us for what we are, the only animal with a sense of humor. And um, Gene Siskel ranked at nine on his 10 best films of 1998. It was the last best list, best of list he did before passing away. Yeah. Um, and the American Film Institute has it on its 100 laughs uh, as number 27. And... I don't know, it's a lot of people, it's got that great soundtrack and then Build Me a Buttercup by the Foundations at the end where they're all dancing to it. Never saw the end. You never saw the end? Nope. Really? I only saw it through bits and pieces. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, this was, I went to the theater to go see this and then we got busted trying to sneak into it and I ended up sitting and laughing to watch Mulan. Was it Mulan or was it? Pocahontas. It was Mulan. Okay, because we had this discussion before. Yeah, I had to double check it. Mulan came out in 98. Pocahontas was 95. Oh, John, I was the biggest fan of Gross. I still am the biggest fan. I just finished last night Trailer Park Boys, the animated series season two, and it is full of gross out humor. And it might be the best season of Trailer Park Boys ever. It is so funny. There were so many laugh out loud moments. I could not breathe a, a part of it. Is Matt Did you see the... Always Sunny got renewed for another season? You should be happy. Oh, yeah. Always Sunny is never going to get canceled. Uh, is Matt Dillon uh, – Eric asks, is Matt Dillon the real Vinny Chase? I do believe it was supposed to be Mark Wahlberg, wasn't it, the real Vinny Chase? It's based on his career? Yeah, I always thought it was Wahlberg. Yeah. And that actor who plays Vinny Chase – oh, I was making a bad joke. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> he uh, – the the guy who plays Minnie Chase, he's just such a bad actor, and they just pretend he's good. I watched all of Entourage. I'm not going to deny that right now. Oh, since Kevin Dillon is his bro. Oh, yeah. Kevin Dillon is a better actor than Matt Dillon because drama is the best part of, of Entourage. If you're like, what can I get out of Entourage? Watch it for drama. He is fucking magnificent. His His arc of just a total loser is and uh, mooch off his brother is fantastic. That was really the only thing that Victory! kept me as long as I was. <clears throat> yeah, drama. You watch it for drama. It was otherwise. Hate... I'm like, when is something going to happen here? <laughs> it, pe- there's no conflict. There's there's no arc or anything. It's just where I'm watching people just go about their day. What? No, uh, living comfortably. It, it, there was an arc, but you didn't. There, you weren't invested in Vinny Chase, so you didn't give a shit what happened to him. And the movie was originally supposed to be more about E, but everyone fucking hated E. 
So then they start shifting to being more about Ari, which was good because Ari was crazy and his arc was what keep, keep, kept people invested. Mm-hmm. But drama was the character that did it for everybody. Oh, the, the guy based on E? Probably. <clears throat> uh, but uh, something about, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, uh, someone that we know uh, find, put money into that awful Ghani movie. Wow. The John Travolta one? Yeah. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about, right? Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. I've seen the pictures. I financed it. Yeah. <laughs> That's how, he was the he was this guy was part of the reason why Squeezer got his nickname. Yep. Okay, here is a super long Squeezer trailer, right? This one's a long one. Uh, oh, what's no, my this next is thing? a short one. Uh, it's 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 uh it's a 30 and a 15. 30 and a 15. All right. So Squeezer's next pick. Here we go. And rolling. Kevin Costner is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Rated PG-13 starts Friday, June 14th. The year's most exciting movie event is now available at an affordable low price on video cassette. No, it's true. Everything I do, I do it for you. It's true. Now it's easy to share the magic. Kevin Costner is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, at an affordable low price wherever video is sold. That is not an affordable low price. Back then it was. Ah, uh, fair enough. Even now, I get like, well, yeah, I was looking at like Blu-rays, like thirty-five fucking bucks now. I can just stream it. Look it. Um, I have a ball. I know this movie does not hold up. It was awful. But if no. it wasn't for this, we might not have got Robin Hood Men in Tights. So no. And now, now look. When I say it doesn't, it doesn't hold up. I still love it. Why? It's awful. No, I do. I don't know why. I this love this movie. This movie is fucking awful. It is so no. boring. It, it's well. Here, here's the thing. So. It's not that boring. Unlike other Robins, I actually have an English accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, this everything I do, I do it for you was a Delilah staple. Everybody. <laughs> yes. Oh God, it was so overdone. And so, here's the thing: this movie wasn't written to be like what you saw in that second trailer. It's supposed to be. Yes, there's a romance to it, but it's supposed to be like a Robin Hood <laughs> movie. That's like a medieval actioneering kind of here's the thing the way they marketed this to an extent it's kind of like reverse top gun whereas top gun was a chick flick that they then marketed the guys robin hood was most like a guys movie that they then marketed to middle-aged women Mm, they did because they they got you have kevin costner in leather and they get this medieval uh, sex fantasy thing going on. They tie it in with that goddamn Brian Adams song, and it's basically just the cover of a romance novel. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, and you get the him naked swimming thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, like, I, I'm working on something for next week with, with like some movie trailers. Hopefully, this will be on it if I can get this thing going because it the movie trailer for it is so god awful. We talked about how bad it is back in the day. Like, they could not cut a teaser or a trailer. Robin Hood, the king of them all. Um, 
Yes, the new one certainly uh, did. And they reused uh, some Ewok village playsets. Uh, Ishmael said they reused the Gamorrean guard from Star Wars for the Fire Tuck toy. They, Kenner was in the oh, toy. Yes. We discussed yeah, the this. Set? If yeah. you go back and listen to our action figure episode, or is it a Kenner one? It might have been the Kenner one. The, Ken, or the first Kenner toy one. Kenner or like the discontinued toys maybe. Or Yeah, go back and listen to all our shows. And in one of them, <laughs> you'll hear Squeeze, Squeezer break down what they use for each uh, Robin Hood. Yeah, if you would have, if you would have, if I would have completed that list like I was talking about, I could have told you right now, but I didn't do that. <laughs> yes, Christian Slater in this was God. <laughs> um, uh, which the Him, was he doing a bad Jack Nicholson impression? It was kinda. I don't know what they were quite Come going on, for. Come on, Robin Hood, we gotta get through the Sherwood Forest. <laughs> so. <laughs> Basically, it's like they're doing this movie, and everyone's like, all right, everyone needs to do an accent. So everyone just picked a random accent, not like some medieval like English accent. Someone was like, oh, okay, I'll do a Brooklyn accent. Some guy's doing like a North Dakota accent. Um, oh, where are you from, eh? <laughs> yeah, like, all right, I need an accent. I'll just put this on. Uh, it was rough. Uh, Kevin Costner, uh, 2018, Robert. When was the Ridley Scott one? I don't know. Not but the, that one. That one was a little Are you talking ago. about the one with Jamie Foxx? From 2018? It was like Hood or something. I didn't even know they did that one. No uh, one's as good. I kinda like did, the, the Ridley Scott one was sorry. It was just uh, kind of too much going on. I prefer yeah, Jamie Foxx when, when it comes to that. What, did Christian Slater play Will Scarlet? Yes, he was Will Scarlet. Uh, and then you had the Morgan Freeman character. Sure. Uh, and then you had The Witch. Did he narrate and, the movie? Funny, <laughs> and then, of course, you do have Alan Rickman as the Sheriff of Nottingham, who this Walk it's great. This way. This, this movie won two awards. It's distinguished for two acting awards. <laughs> uh, he Alan Rickman won a BAFTA for Best Supporting Actor as a portrayal of Sheriff of Nottingham. Kevin Costner won a, won Razzie. a Razzie Award for his portrayal of Robin Hood. So you have a, a legitimate best actor. What's that? He's got. Did he say he has to make a fancy call? Oh, he's a busy boy over there. So yeah, um, yeah, maybe Marion was kind of. I was all right with that. Um, but yes, so you had Kevin Costner winning a Razzie as Alan Rickman is getting a, a BAFTA. I don't know what it is about this movie. I really still do enjoy it. I haven't watched it in a while. Maybe I should be wrong. Um, but that, the general consensus is, yeah, it's not the best. I feel like it's... I treat it like it's a sequel to Waterworld, which is like a sequel to The Postman. Yeah, it is really... He just... He was so... Flatten it. Um, what came out the same day as Robin Hood? Huh. I can look this up. It's going to take me a while. But I can... Shit. When did this come out? June 14th, 1991. I'm just going to copy. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to go paste over here. Movie release. Let's see what we get. Oh, Prince of Thieves. There you go. Movies and theaters, 14th, 1991. What was this thing up against? 
<laughs> oh, just Robin Hood. Come on. This week. Come on. SpongeBob the movie. No, that's this year. I am not good using the internet, folks. I don't know if you... Um, yeah, he's right, though. The best thing that came out of this movie was um, uh, Men in Tights. Because really, it was, wasn't for this. We wouldn't have Men in Tights. My biggest issue was one of my favorite movies... Oh, here you go. What was this going up against? Uh, Robin Hood, June 14th. So it came out the 14th. Okay, here we go. So, uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead and A City Slickers were out uh, the week before. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves got its own release on the 14th. Nothing went up against that. I think it was a combination of, like, they knew that it was going to be uh, a monster, which it was because it was marketed all hell. And it was a legit blockbuster. It made over like three and a half hundred million Three and a half hundred. Made a lot of money. Um, and then next week, next week we get the Rocketeer. I love it. And Rocketeer is legit. That's a good movie. Compared to, if you had to pick which one is the actual better film, yeah, Rocketeer. So good. Um, but I, hey, that's a damn good summer. I mean, it's not monsters, but in my mind, City Slickers, Robin Hood, Rocketeer, and then Naked Gun Two and a Half. That's a good June. Let's see, what came out? That's June. Came out in May. Sometimes that, you know. Oh, there you go. Backdraft. Backdraft came out before this. Ooh, Thelma and Louise uh, was out. And Hudson Hawk. Mm-hmm. Can't win them all. I know there's some guy. Who here likes Hudson Hawk? Someone likes Hudson Hawk in this form. Yeah, I didn't get it either because in my mind... So here's the thing with my Robin Hood. And now, in hindsight, I understand the real story and... Um, Yes, I did. I, I was Robin Hood for Halloween because I was obsessed with Disney's Robin Hood. That was like one of my favorite movies, um, you know, the one with the fox. And I had that little green outfit and I had the bow and stuff like that. And I would mess with it to try to make it a little more damaging. I did OK. I almost castrated the chipmunk and I felt really bad about it. Um, so that was May. Let's jump up to July and see what the rest of these summer blockbusters look. Oh, Jesus Christ. Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Yeah, that was July 3rd. That was that was a pretty big movie. And then Boys in the Hood. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Double Impact and Hot Shots. Wow. Summer of 91 was rocking. I guarantee I was... Well, let's see. I didn't see Terminator 2 in theaters because my mom wouldn't let me i didn't see boys in the hood in theaters because my mom wouldn't let me uh i saw rocketeer in theaters oh t2 was just a how much all right so robin hood made 390 million at the box office that is fucking impressive i'm not gonna lie what did t2 make at the box office i bet you it made more than that let's see let's use the internet 
Let's use the internet to search for things. Do 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 do. I am, he's going to yell at me because I'm doing an awful job stalling for you guys while he's on the fancy phone there. Terminator 2 Judgment Day. $520 million. So it only made almost like 75% more than Robin Hood. But think about this. Uh, that it cost a hundred million to make Terminator, whereas oh, I lost my goddamn tab, son of a biscuit. Oh well, kids, we can't wait. There it was, and so yeah. So you think about it, Robin Hood has better profit margins. So you make a shittier movie, you make more money, right? Yes, right, exactly. Sorry, when the boss calls, you got to answer. Any, if any, if anyone. If anyone, if you ask, tell him I did a good job, okay? You did a fantastic job, I can imagine. All right, are you done with Robin Hood? Should we move on to my second Well, I, I was doing your thing of just going through movie listings and movie releases for that summer then. Oh. So, yeah, I think we're good. All right. Here is my, my, mix, my next pick. Now, the creators of Jaws and Star Wars bring you... Indiana Jones. A totally modern hero, trust me. And a new age of adventure. From the jungles of Peru to the streets of Cairo. From the greed of the pharaohs to the wrath of God. Raiders of the Lost Ark, with PG. Opens June 12th at a theater near you. Check local newspapers. Check local... Uh, <clears throat> I can't, <laughs> can't speak. Check local newspapers. That was the the thing. That's the thing. <clears throat> Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, this is kind of fresh in my mind because we just watched it at, on the CBS Sunday Night Movie. And in my just skimming a week of Wikipedia and IMDb, I learned why CBS chose to make it its first Sunday Night Movie. It is the most successful Paramount release ever, apparently. Oh. Uh, so this was an idea had by George Lucas. Uh, we were talking about... Um, he's an idea guy. He's an idea guy. And he's, he was originally Indiana, I think, Smith. Um, I read... Uh, Indiana Smith was the original name. And they wanted to make it like the film serials of the 1930s and 40s. Uh, so he was developing, developing it with Phil Kaufman, and Phil Kaufman went on to uh, <clears throat> do a Clint Eastwood movie and, and got out of the picture. So... Um, but he, Phil Kaufman added the Ark of the Covenant as the plot device. Uh, so, I mean, he gave that. Uh, and then the rich people were all vacationing from their hard time making movies down in Hawaii. Uh, Spielberg was down there taking a break after making Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And they're staying at the same uh, Moana K Beach Hotel, building sandcastles. Oh, These are adults. Cute. And uh, he... Did they use, like, gold dust instead of sand? I thought the bones of children ground up. Okay. Yeah, to make a fine sand. Um, so uh, Spielberg said he wanted to make a James Bond movie, and George was like, "Oh, why would you want to do that? That's for the Brits." <laughs> I got a better idea. Hmm. <laughs> and he said he told him about uh, Indiana Smith, and he goes, eh, "Smith doesn't sound right." And I guess Lucas just went, "What about Jones?" <laughs> and then he kept it. <laughs> Indiana is the name of his Alaskan Malamute, who 
would often ride shotgun with him while he was driving, hence, and he looks like Chewie. That's where the inspiration for Chewbacca came from. Ah. But the dog's name was Indiana. So Named the dog Indiana. Yeah. I named the dog Indiana. Yeah, that's that was a joke in the uh, Last Crusade, which you yep. all should be watching this Sunday night on the CBS Sunday night movie. So uh, Spielberg was interested, but he was reluctant because uh, Lucas told him it was an entire trilogy and Spielberg didn't want to uh, work on all the scripts, but Lucas lied to him and said he already had them written, <laughs> which he did not. <clears throat> uh, Lawrence Kasdan came on, who was famously writing Empire Strikes Back, and he wrote The Return of the Jedi, and he wrote The Force Awakens, and it makes you wonder why they just didn't keep him on to write fucking the next two, but I, I don't know. No, because it makes more sense to just let an entire new group of people take over without any continuity plan. Yeah. Um, and Frank Marshall uh, joined on as the producer. Uh, Frank Marshall would uh, do a lot of projects together with his wife, Kathleen Kennedy, who now runs Lucasfilm. Frank Marshall would go on to direct one of the greatest movies of all time, Squeezer, 1995. That would be? Congo. Very good. Um, <laughs> and, and they all collaborated on this, this wonderful uh, movie, which is just so much fun. And I forgot how much fun, how fun it was until you watch it. Uh, it starts off with you know the rolling ball and the t- taking the golden idol away and him getting it stolen by his rival. You know, and the whole the the snake scene, and then the the plane, and then him teaching, which was always I always thought that grounded India a lot, like showing him as a professor, like a nerdy professor, mm-hmm. and also like one of the things I liked about Indiana Jones that you wouldn't see with James Bond and a lot of other movies is motherfucker got his ass whooped. Yes, when, uh, the plane scene when he's trying to fight that German guy on the plane, the guys he's just getting fucking pummeled by the guy. Mm-hmm. But he's got smarts, and he outsmarted the guy. Yeah, uh, I mean, because he's an explorer by trade. He's not a fighter. Yeah, he's you know, an archaeologist. Like he, he's, it's, he's, he's a scientist. He doesn't want to be involved with the Nazis. Yeah. He, uh, but he, he likes punching Nazis in their Nazi Fired. freaking face. So um, then when he goes to Nepal and that bar scene with Marion Ravenwood, I love that scene. That's It's so great. The, the of course Nazis. you do. Why? You recreate it every night. <laughs> the Nazis come shoot it up. Uh, yeah, Nazis don't come shoot up my house, though, normally. No, you just go shot for shot with yourself. Mm, yes. So um, then, uh, you know, they fly They fly to Cairo, I believe, where uh, they're digging up, and he's down there, and when he puts the rope down, it's got the Nazi flag to warn him. All good stuff. And, you know, they, they get captured, but, but uh, uh, Indy's... Uh, very smart and in the whole when they're tied up they're like close your eyes and the, the angel of death comes out that's the 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 effects back then were great but now they're kind of like weird but i still love them mm-hmm. yeah still love it and i do regardless i don't care what people say that no matter what would have happened like indiana jones isn't necessary at all to the story like because the nazis would have just opened it up and they would have all died Right, but he eventually got it to the U.S. government, so they could yes. have it instead. <laughs> instead, and then just box it up, and still one of my favorite endings. Yeah, it goes in, which later they said was Area Fifty One, I believe. Mm. Um. Then that and one also, on. Yes. 
Uh, John Rice Davies, uh, my his second favorite role of mine. John Reese Davies. It's Reese like Reese's, not Rice. It's Rice. <laughs> yeah, uh, that and Gimli. He's really good as Gimli. Uh, I was gonna go with uh, his role in the Lost World. He was in the Lost World. Not that Lost World. Oh. The other Lost World. The Arthur Conan Doyle Lost World with oh. the puppet dinosaurs. It's really bad. Oh. Oh. Um, this movie came out, uh, release date, June 12th, 1981, uh, on a budget of $20 million and it made $389.9 million. Oh, nice chunk of change. Uh, A lot of people say it's one of the best movies ever made. Um, what I read, uh, so, Okay. The film opened number one in the United States, grossing $8,305,000 from 1,078 theaters, which caused concern for Paramount executives as they were expecting a bigger weekend and needed the film to be one of the highest grossing films of all time to be profitable for them. Due to the deal with Lucasfilm had due to the deal that Lucasfilm had made with Paramount. The film was knocked off number one slot the following week by Superman's two record 14.1 million opening weekend and remained behind Superman 2 for the next three weekends, but was narrowing the gap each weekend after adding a further 22 theaters to 1,100. It returned to number one on its sixth weekend, goddamn fly, uh, which is impossible for movies in modern day with like the push for home video. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, <laughs> so in its sixth weekend, it returned to number one, taking its gross to $79 million. After 111 days of release, it had grossed $135 million, surpassing Greece as Paramount Pictures' highest-grossing film of all time. It went on to gross two hundred twelve in its initial release in U.S. and Canada, making it by some distance the highest-grossing film of 1981. Um, Box Office Mojo estimates the film sold more than 70 million tickets in the U.S. It remains one of the Top 25 highest grossing films ever made when adjusted for inflation. And uh, really important to Paramount. Um, great movie, too. Uh, Roger Ebert, in his review for the Chicago Sun-Times, wrote two things, however, make Raiders of the Lost Ark more than just a technological triumph. Its sense of humor and the droll style of its characters. We find ourselves laughing in surprise, in relief, and in credulity. Credul- at the movie's ability to pile one incident upon another in an inexhaustible series of inventions. He said it's one of the most deliriously funny, ingen- ingenious, and stylish American uh, adventure movies ever made. And I do like it. I, I, yeah, I they love are Temple working of- on the... Oh, God, they need to recast it. We've had this fight before. What? No. They need to recast it. You can, like we said, make in make uh, Illinois Smith or whatever, but Indiana nope. Jones. I didn't Harrison say that. 40. I said recast it. No. Yes. Nope. Chris Chris Pratt, Donald nope. Glover. Nope. Either one of them would. They make. can be different characters in the same world. I just that's just. He's like a thousand years old. You can't do Indiana Jones. Why know, can Batman be recast? Sometimes, sometimes you just let something sit. Why can, uh, uh, but there's more adventures to be told and take it from Spielberg. Let them be told by other characters. No, they don't because this guy wouldn't go on all these crazy adventures. He's a professor. He doesn't want to keep doing all this. Most of the shit is just going to be him boring in a, in like a, 
on a site survey. Okay, then explain to me the opening of The Last Crusade. Hang on. I'm waiting. If this guy is just a boring guy his whole life and doesn't want adventures, mm -hmm. explain the opening of Last Crusade. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, he was a kid. I would like to say touche. He's a kid on a fucking train adventure as a yeah. Boy Scout. This guy is drawn to he adventure. He might not look for it, but he is drawn to it. He cannot help himself. That is why it needs to be recast. No. I think Donald Glover. I'm thinking... Chris Pratt, I'm thinking... I think they would both be great as the exact same guy, just different. No, it would... Indiana Jones. Look, I understand what I'm saying doesn't make sense. Of course it but doesn't. But it's my my sense of just greed and want. And in my mind, that's my character. That's who he is. That's the guy. I don't separate the two. And so because of that, like I, that's my thing. If they recast it and make a whole new one, I'm going to go see it. And I'm probably going to love it. But Jason said Indiana Jones is supposedly Han Solo's dreams while frozen in carbonite. That I wouldn't like make that headcanon. I'm okay with that. Yeah, but that wouldn't make sense. Why not? Because Star Wars happens in a, in a, uh, a galaxy far away a long, long time ago. Uh huh. So it happens a long, long time ago. Before yeah. the Nazis. So in, in his dreams, he time travels he's having to a the dream future? about a guy in a galaxy far, far away in the future that searches for relics. Yeah, but how would he Why know? Why is that so hard to understand? All right, moving on. Because it's impossible. Why is it impossible? You don't know what carbonite does to the brain. It could be like an acid drop. He, he, he traveled dimensions? It's a dream. You can do anything in a dream. You're getting into a Rogan. A dream is a wish your heart makes who's that, when you're fast asleep. Who's that guy uh, who I like on Rogan? He's fucking nuts. Uh, Infowars guy. What's that guy? Oh, Alex Jones. Alex Jones. Listen, to, uh, what the elitists and the globalists aren't telling you is that when you're in carbonite, you can cross dimensions. If you're frozen in carbonite, and if you quick go on to Infowars.com and get my latest uh, supplement that could make you feel like you're frozen in carbonite and have those interdimensional dreams, I'm telling you right now, the globalists, the elitists do not want you to know this. <laughs> if you were to send him a message saying that you've seen evidence that the government is freezing smugglers coming across the border in carbonite, he would go off on that, and it would be legit. Like, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you the truth right now. A man frozen in carbonite saw that the Nazis gave up the Ark of the Covenant, and the U.S. government is storing in a facility in Arizona or New Mexico called Area 51. This was a dream he had in carbonite. This is the truth. The globalists and the elitists do not want you to know. Alex Jones, Infowars.com. <laughs> oh, that hurts my voice. <laughs> Think about that now. Do that all day. <laughs> I know. Right? Uh, that does <laughs> you sound sell like me some silver. Yeah, you know what you're gonna want is silver solution. This will protect you from being dead in carbonite and also from COVID nineteen. I guarantee it. The elitists and globalists do not want you to have this silver solution. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I get dizzy doing Alex Jones. <laughs> he would really buy into the. <laughs> Frozen just, in carbonite. You could just sell them on any movie script and. <laughs> <coughs> oh. 
He needs to get back on. You know, Rogan, man, going to fucking exclusive to. Uh, yeah. What the fuck's it called? Spotify. Spotify. Ugh. What a sellout. I mean, $100 million. I probably would take right yours directly. Yeah. Uh, I'd give you your cut of about $1,000, yeah. Squeezer. I mean, to be fair, all he did was bitch about YouTube anyway. So. Yeah, I know. Um, but he, but he, to, to be taken off like Apple Podcasts and Google, like that's. Yeah, I know. Now I got to download another app. <laughs> Alex Jones. I have <laughs> the app, Squeezer, to check on our podcast, which is available on Spotify if mm. you'd like to listen I to use, it. I use the one that comes on my phone. <laughs> Alex Jones versus oh, Joe boy, Exotic over and over. There's no coming back from that. Listen, as a globalist and elitist and a gay man, because all globalists and elitists are gay men, you probably do not understand that when you're frozen in carbonite, that you can travel dimensions to see where the Nazis and the American globalists hid the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> Listen, motherfucker. First of all, I want to say you're too fat to even be one of my fucking husbands, you dirty fucking bastard. Second of all, fuck Carol Baskin and fuck you, you... <laughs> Carbonite is fucking bullshit. I can't freeze one of my fucking tigers in carbonite and transfer it to another fucking zoo, and it gonna have some fucking interdimensional dream where it dreams of fucking Nazis and Ark's Covenant and fucking Carpenter's Cups. Fuck you, Alex Jones, and fuck Carol Baskin. <laughs> I'd like to say my really good friend, really smart person, Alex Jones, figured out where the Ark of the Covenant is being hidden here in America by the dirty, dirty politicians that came before me. The previous Obamagate administration hid the Ark of the Covenant, and Han Solo down in Disney World was in Carbonite. He figured it out. <laughs> Your mother is frozen in Carbonite like a dirty old egg sucking dog. <laughs> you got me with the carpenter. Cup. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Holy shit. There goes my voice for the, the Alex Jones oh, is tough. There, yeah, there's no coming back from that. Oh, I was riffing. I was like, what the fuck would. Heavens uh, <laughs> to Murgatroyd. <laughs> Frozen in Carbonite. I'm going to exit stage left. <laughs> Bad. Sorry. <clears throat> Look what you did, Jason. Oh, God. Look what you did, you little jerk. All right. Let's go on to squeezers. Oh, speaking, of, speaking of something that you can pitch to Alex Jones. Here we go. <laughs> this could actually happen, ladies and gentlemen. I've seen it happen. The globalists and the least don't want you to know this movie is real. For Special Agent Sean Archer. He's the most dangerous criminal of mind I've ever known. There's only one way to catch a killer. I will become him. From the director of Broken Arrow. John Travolta. Nothing like having your face cut off to disturb your sleep. Nicholas Cage. Face off. You're not having any fun. Radar starts Friday, June 27th, everywhere. Oh man, that shot of Nicolas Cage in the the priest outfit doing that dance. Oh my god! That was I like, went back and I just watched that scene right before we started. <clears throat> that is the ultimate Nicolas Cage. I'm a priest. Yeah. I'm a sexy, crazy priest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. This is like the 
he's not even acting. Well, here's the beauty of this movie. Nicolas Cage is acting like Nicolas Cage. But then Nicolas Cage has to act like John Travolta acting like Nicolas Cage. And then John Travolta has Why? to act like Nicolas Cage. I can't do an impression of either of them. And there's no two pe- perfect people to be in a movie where you're going to try to outdo each other and going over the top than these two. Who was the daughter in this movie? Uh, was it Eliza Dushku or was that True Lies? Face off. <clears throat> John Woo. It was the daughter. So it was Sean Archer. Yeah, Sean Archer. Oh, and then- Dominique Swain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I knew she was in that movie Girl. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's pretty good. Uh, I think so. Um, yeah, so first, anyway. Um, yeah, so Sean Archer. All right, that's a good Secret Service name. Caster Troy. Tell me that's like, you didn't just like, hey, we have a movie where <clears throat> Nicolas Cage is going to be going over the top. We need an over the top, ridiculous. Caster Troy. Caster Troy. Do it. Yeah. Uh, but this is a John Woo picture, so there's probably it, elements of insanity in it. There is. Well, and here's the weird thing, too. Like, he actually, according to them, there's a lot of thought into the script regarding the names of these characters and involving constellations on separate sides of, like, the planet. So, like, mm. one constellation's on this side, one's on the other. And because they're so different and polar opposite, and like, it's face-off. You cut a face off a guy and put it on the other guy. And then he did the exact same thing. There's something about this movie. I don't know why, even as a kid, like, I, I liked it because it's a John Woo movie and it's. It's actually it's really good. Film. It's actually good. I love it. It is. That's what's so weird, but it shouldn't be. <laughs> like, this should be absolute hot garbage movie trash, Hollywood <laughs> movie trash. But almost like because it knows what it is and you just accept it. And Nicolas Cage is just basically being Nicolas Cage. Uh, by the way, it, CBS. It by the way, CBS. I would. I expect this on your uh, Sunday night movie lineup sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's Paramount. Put a John Woo movie on network TV. Why not? We have to cut it. Cut the shit down. Like it'd be down to nothing. They cut all the boobs out of Titanic. Well, the best part of it. <laughs> that's that's for the best. Um, I think this was pre. When did or no? How long was John Travolta in Scientology? Was he always kind of always in, it? in Scientology? This was, was he? yes, oh. yes. He joined Scientology way before. In fact, they accredited. He was his even, co- He was in before. I think uh, Pulp Fiction. He was in before. Look who's talking. He was in. He was a Scientologist. But like, he, he was in before Tom Cruise. I think right. Possibly yes. I think so. Um, anyway, it, yeah. so what happened was converted to Scientology in 1975. Wow. I don't think Tom Cruise was born yet. Um, he was probably what? 10. Tom Cruise. Yeah. He was probably like 30 in 1975. Yeah. He just doesn't age. Oh, okay. Uh, he was born in 62. So I was close. He was 13. Um, I did that math in my head, folks. You should be impressed. Math, math, math. 
Um, so yeah, so this is John Woo's third U.S. Hollywood film. Uh, the first two uh, being uh, Hard Boiled, and then he did Broken Arrow. And no, it was Hard Boiled. <laughs> I don't know. This is your pick. No, I know. I'm getting all screwed up on my numbers here. No, Hard Boiled was actually his. Uh, so he just had a love hard affair target. with. Sorry. He just had a love hard, affair with John Travolta. Hard Boiled was his was his last Hong Kong film before he came over. Then he did Hard Target, and then he did Broken Arrow. And when doing those, the studios were a pain in the ass with him because they were fairly violent, and he couldn't get the movie down to an R rating. So they went and were just chopping away at his films. So he said, I'll only make this if you leave me alone and let me make the damn movie. And they pretty much did. The only thing they really cut out was the opening sequence on the carousel, spoilers, where uh, the kid dies was much more graphic and they trimmed it down. So it wasn't as uh, violent when seeing like a 10 year old, um, you know, killed by a sniper, Hmm. which that scene enough is heartbreaking. Uh, not the most violent carousel scene, thanks to Punisher, uh, but still pretty brutal. Anytime <clears throat> a movie opens up with, um, <laughs> it's slow-mo, uh, the colors are muted, and you hear the laughter of children permeate the scene, you're like, fuck, something bad is going to happen. And it does. And then John Travolta becomes Nicolas Cage, and then Nicolas Cage becomes John Travolta, and then he gets his daughter a butterfly knife, and she gets stabbed in the leg, and then he shoots him in the head, and it's happily ever after after all. Do you know what <clears throat> the top ten movies in the box office were? They asked what this went up against. Uh, the top ten movies? Mm-hmm. And no wonder it did so well. It was up 97? against... It was up against Hercules. Hercules! Yeah, at that point, it was like... Uh... So it went up against Batman and Robin, which was number one the week prior to this came out. And people realized it was shit, so it dropped to number three. <clears throat> Robin went from one to three? Yeah. Wow. Uh, then it was up against My Best Friend's Wedding. Uh, Con Air, another Nick Cage movie. He had two. Yeah, he actually was shooting them like back to back. Like Some schedules even overlapped. Uh, the Lost World Jurassic Park, which opened in May, so this was it was out for about a month. Okay, it, was, it already made its money. Yeah, it was it was four prior to this, and it dropped to six. Speed Two Cruise Control, Liar it's, Liar, it's like... and Austin Powers, and then the last one rounding out was Gone Fishing, <laughs> which I don't even remember. Uh, wait, is that the one? Wait, don't say it. Is that the one with? Uh... It's Pesci and Danny Glover. Yep. Yes. I knew it. Thanks. Two fishing fanatics get in trouble when their fishing boat gets stolen while on a trip. I don't even remember this movie. I never even saw existed. it. I just remember the poster. Oh. <clears throat> um, yeah, it was supposed to take place in the future, but Wu wanted... Uh, oh, Chris O'Donnell sucked this room. Um... But he wanted to, like, tell the psychological story behind it. And, like, everything I read about this is how this is this thought-out, thought-provoking, intelligent film. And, like, to me, it's just face-off. And it's just utter violence and absurdity with Nicolas Cage. And it is so much fun to watch. Especially that pre-scene is just fantastic. And you can just just Google face-off Nicolas Cage and people do all the work for you. Just (laughs) getting all the good stuff. 
even though pretty much the entire movie is the good stuff. Uh, John Woo did MI2 after this, which we talked about Mission Impossible. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, Mission Impossible 2. Those are the last two I saw. And then I, I, I surprisingly, I didn't see three. I think that was done by JJ. And a lot of people say yeah. it's the best. Three is really good. It is really good. <clears throat> it's with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, right? Kevin Smith yes. always does that. Yep. I'll yeah, kill your whole family. That's, <laughs> that's the one where you just they do the whole ball sack thing the entire time. It's fucking brutal. Um, <clears throat> but it, it might it might be the best. It might still the first one we talked about this last week. Yeah, the first one is a special place awesome. in my heart for me. It's really good. Yeah. I want to go back and watch them all because we saw the MI6 in the theater last year uh, in the drive-in, and it mm-hmm. was it was really fucking awesome. Tom Cruise. So still... that, is that this that is the sixth one? That it, was, it's yeah. confusing because when you say MI6, I'm thinking like MI6, like James Bond. No, no, no. It was. Uh... <clears throat> uh... It was MI. Uh... Mission Impossible 6. The sixth Mission Impossible movie. That um, handsome. And just to point out how crazy this is. Face Off has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's good. It's a good like, movie. It is, it is good, but it's there's so many... Um, I don't know what happened. Like Maybe it's critics just see it for what it is. Because otherwise, it should be a lot lower just because critics are going to hate on it just because there's a little bit of action in it. Because anytime you just add action to a movie, it just makes it worse, according to them. But hmm. they'd rather have just people sitting around playing violins and long dresses, or people sitting standing in convenience stores talking about Star Wars, which is what I prefer. <laughs> well, that is all right. Uh, <clears throat> face off, good pick there, handsome. Thanks. Here is my next pick. I love you. Their love holds them together. Will you marry me? And nothing on Earth can keep them apart. I want you to promise me that you are coming back. Bruce Willis. Liv Tyler. Ben Affleck. Armageddon. A Jerry Bruckheimer production. Directed by Michael Bay. Rated PG-13. Starts Wednesday, July 1st. Ah, what a flaming piece of shit. That is the strangest TV spot ever. Yeah, there's like a... they they have the like the romance music, but then they show the disaster shit, and they don't like transition. Like, right. Well, uh, it was because Michael Bay is an awful director, and I guess they had, they tried to figure out if this movie was it's a true romance movie, if it's an action movie. Well, why can't it be both? It has almost more edits than like the drug sequences and uh, <clears throat> a requiem for a dream. I saw this in the theater when it came out in July, and I, I think I was I was dating this girl, and then we weren't dating anymore. That's why I went to see something about Mary um, uh, two weeks later with a different girl. We were just that was just platonic though. And then I went to the beach with my buddy, and we saw uh, uh, Halloween H two O. So it, uh, Armageddon was the highest grossing uh, movie. Of 1998, $553 million, uh, but it did cost a pretty penny. Hold on, let me see what it... So, uh, where was the budget? Yes, the Aerosmith song still holds up. 
The Aerosmith song is what sold this movie. Mm-hmm. And I am I am a, the definite I can't find its what its budget was. It made five hundred and forty million. Hundred forty million. Oh yeah, hundred forty million. So it, it, domestically, it barely made back its budget, and when it's marketing, it probably lost money. But it made three hundred fifty-two million internationally, taking it to five hundred fifty-three. Uh, so I don't know how what a success it was, but I guess nineteen ninety-eight wasn't the greatest year for movies. The top ten highest-grossing films were Armageddon, Saving Private Ryan, Godzilla, There's Something About Mary, A Bug's Life, <clears throat> Deep Impact, which was like the more scientifically accurate version of this movie, which apparently. And- a lot more terrifying when you watch it. Yes. They said that they pitched it to Disney. Disney took notes and then went and made its own movie out of this. Mulan. Oh, there it is, Squeezer. The Mulan oh, was the yeah. seventh highest ranking. Dr. Doolittle uh, was eighth. Shakespeare in Love was ninth. Lethal Weapon 4 was the tenth highest grossing movie of. I saw that in theaters. What's that? Lethal Weapon 4. Yeah, my dad. Uh, wanted to go see it we saw i remember we saw blues brothers 2000 there's uh the wedding singer also came out that year um i don't know i just did 1998 oh the big lebowski came out that year uh one of the best movies wild things talk about uh he had two matt Dillon had two movies that were pretty big back to back that was march primary colors i love that movie um Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero, the animated movie. That was really good. Uh, so if we get into, let's say May is what you consider blockbuster territory. It's usually when, yeah, you start. Uh... Remember Bullworth with that Ghetto yeah. Superstar song? But mm-hmm. the movie just sucked. Warren Beatty. That was Warren Beatty, right? Yeah, he directed it and he st- star of it. Uh, Godzilla, which again, soundtrack was amazing. It had that weird puff daddy over um, a cashmere. So Jimmy Page did yep. cashmere and, and puff daddy rapped over it, but the soundtrack was pretty decent. It had like a version of brain stew from uh, Green Day on it. Oh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas came out. I was so into that, um, but I don't think it was it was quite as big on in the box office. Almost Heroes, Chris Farley. I think is his last movie. Uh, the Western one, right? Yeah, or like the a pioneering one. Pioneering one, yeah. yeah. So then we get into June, and the Truman Show was huge, but it's not even in the top ten. Can Hardly wow. Wait is there, not even in the top ten. Dirty Work, that movie is funny, but it was it I, yeah, it wasn't great, but it was funny. I remember, <laughs> yeah, Dirty Work. I saw. I talked about that. I saw that the old Universal. When they were closing it, and half the seats were gone, sort of playing like handball against the screen because we we're the only three people in there. Uh, Mulan came out the same week as the X Files movie. Uh, Doctor Doolittle then came out the following week, and Out of Sight came out, um, which was I think that was a big movie, Steven Soderbergh, but it didn't do well in the box office. Uh, then we get into July, and they released Armageddon July 1st, like on a Wednesday night in preparation for the July 4th weekend. Mm-hmm. Released it against Lethal Weapon 4. And uh, then the following week, Madeline, which um, I think that's the Danny DeVito, Danny DeVito one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, oh, yeah, I like that movie. 
that Darren Aronofsky movie Pie, mm-hmm. and then Small Soldiers. Wow. Yeah. What a big summer. And the we- next weekend was There's Something About Mary, and that came out, it seems like, early, because the 17th was The Mask of Zorro, and... Um, Antonio Banderas. 22 was the remake of Lolita, uh, Disturbing Behavior, uh, Mafia, came out the 24th, and, well, against Saving Private Ryan. 29th, the Parent Trap remake with Lindsay Lohan came out. Wow. Wait, was, really? Yeah, 1998. That was that long ago? And oh ba- Basketball came out the 31st. <laughs> also with Ever After, that Drew Barrymore movie. It wasn't that good. Um, and then August 5th, H2O, 20 years later. I saw that in the theater. Snake Eyes, another Nick Cage. Nick Cage had a big fucking Ooh, summer, right? He was busy, huh? Because he was in, Nick Cage was in that, right? Snake Eyes? Yeah. I think so. Uh, the Avengers, and not the one you're thinking of, the one with Ray Fiennes, Uma Thurman, and Sean Connery. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. How Stella got her groove back. And Slums of Beverly Hills, all movies I've seen. And then August 21st, the first Blade movie comes out. And Dead Man on Campus. We just talked about that. This was all 98? Yeah, this is all 98. Damn. Um, And then that's 54, I guess, rounds it out. And then it gets into the September. So we're we're done with the... the, um, You'd think we're done with the summer blockbuster. And I don't know how this isn't in the top 10 movies, but in the 18th of September, Rush Hour came out. Really? Yeah. Why they put put that in the dumping grounds? I know. That should have been... I don't know if they had confidence in it. It should have been a fucking summer release. That movie was huge. Yeah. Uh, And maybe that's what helped it. It was was no competition. Maybe. Um, October, the night of the Roxbury came out and what dreams may come that real fucking heartstring movie about the guy who commits suicide. Is that the one with the big tree on the cover? I think so. Robin Williams. Yeah, that's the one. Rushmore, one of the best movies ever made came out October 9th. I love Rushmore. Bride of Chucky. Uh, Happiness, that Todd Solon's movie. That movie's so fucking weird. But the child molester. Ugh, so weird. Mm. Todd Solon's movies are fucking strange. Uh, I can't think of uh, Pleasantville. Life is beautiful. Apt pupil. We're in October. Oh, life is beautiful. That's where that guy fucking won the Oscar and he mm-hmm. made a stupid speech out. And he's like, oh, he's so fun. He's so whimsical. Uh, yeah. The end of October saw American History X. So 98 was a good movie. Oh, shit. Oh, uh. This November, uh, November 4th, Belly. Have you seen Belly? Mm-mm. Oh, really? The the DMX and Nas movie? Nope. Oh, man, I saw Belly like a thousand times. We, we watched it all the time. The Waterboy came out. I still know what you did last summer. I'll be home for Christmas, uh, the JTT vehicle. I have a DVD of that somewhere in my boxes down here. That's the missus. Meet Joe Black. That really bad Enemy of the State movie with Will Smith. That was on in our lunchroom. Wait, the other that day. was 98? That was 98. With the, Gene Hackman? Yeah. Holy John Voight. 
I feel so old right now. The Rugrats movie. A Bug's Life. Babe Pig in the City. Home Fries with Drew Barrymore and Luke Wilson. I love Home Fries. Uh, Ringmaster. Remember that Jerry Springer movie? <laughs> yeah, I do now. fucking now awful. Yeah, that's right. Very Bad Things. Cameron Diaz, John Favreau. I think that's when they kill the prostitute. I'm not sure. Uh, the Psycho, the Gus Van Sant Psycho Shot for Shot remake came out in December of that year. Uh, Jack Frost with Michael Keaton. Yeah. It's a dark movie. Shakespeare in Love. Uh, this is one uh, the A Simple Plan with Sam Remy, the Sam Remy Bill Paxton picture. Star Trek Insurrection. Is that a good one, Squeezer? Uh, insert. I think that was a good one. Hmm. Is that the one where they're on Earth and they have to? I don't fucking know. Someone help me out. That's the one where they get them to actually like do. Uh, Here, and the plot is. And Lieutenant Commander Data is temporarily transferred to undercover mission, observing the peaceful Baku people. While on the planet, he malfunctioned and reveals the presence of the Joint Federation. Sona's task force observing Baku. Admiral Matthew Doherty contacts USS Enterprise E to obtain data schematics for recovery purposes. I'm going to fall asleep if I keep reading this. Jean-Luc Picard becomes suspicious of Doherty's existence, that the Enterprise is no longer needed, and orders the cause of Data's malfunction to be investigated. Any of this ringing a bell? Uh, if I see the poster, uh, no, I was thinking of first contact, yeah. uh, insurrection, which one was this in line? This, this came out after insurrection, I think, right? Came out in 1998. I, I got that part. Insurrection. That's all I know about it. All right. The Prince of Egypt came out and, oh, you've got mail. Nora Ephron's Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, charming little picture. December 23rd, thin red line. The Faculty Squeezer. Whoa, that was 98? 98. December 20. came out on Christmas in 98. Mighty Joe Young with uh, Bill Paxson and Charlize Theron. Patch Adams. Uh, Stepmom. The piece of shit movie. Affliction with Nick Nolte and Sissy Spaceback came out. Um, and that's pretty much, that's 1998 for you guys. Insurrection was good where they go to that planet and everyone de-ages. Yeah, I don't think I, I got to go back and remember that one you and kinda watch it. Gone off I'd like to first contact. The rails here. Squeezer, you want to... I don't think so. It's the rad years. We were, you <laughs> listed every movie from May to December of uh, 1998. I know. So I should go back and do the earlier ones just to see what good movies Yeah. Um, okay. I, all right. It kind of, it kind of always broke my heart, like losing the D. You know, I love that ship. Squeezer doesn't want to lose the D. He I got the D. No, he doesn't want to lose the D. <laughs> no, lose the D. <laughs> I got the D. I don't want to lose the D. Okay, uh, here we go. Uh, Squeezer, your next pick. We're we're, uh, two, we're an hour and a half in. We're only going on my fourth pick. We better pick it up. Better pick it up. Apollo thirteen flight controllers. Give me a go, no go for launch. Booster, go. Retro, go. Network, go. Recovery, go. We are go for launch. Our next broadcast will be from the surface of the moon. One dead. Houston, we have a problem. The Odyssey is dying. Failure is not an option. We're just going to figure out how to stay alive. Tom Hanks, Apollo 13, rated PG. Starts Friday, June 30th at theaters everywhere. 
Oh, there's another one? Yeah, I, I should have switched around because that preserved. Houston, we have a problem. Kevin Bacon. We're never going to get back. Bill Paxton. We're not going to have power much longer. Gary Sinise. It'll be a hell of a mission. Ed Harris. Failure is not an option. Kathleen Quinlan. What do you mean there's no immediate danger? Can they get back? A Ron Howard film. Apollo 13. Rated PG. Starts Friday, June 30th. So. Yeah, yeah. I had to put that true. second one on there just for the cast alone. Jesus. True Lies kind of kicked off a hell of a career for Bill Paxson, didn't it? Uh, I would say Terminator, but oh yeah, Terminator. He was well, he was in it. Like, did James Cameron put him in everything? Yeah, he was James Cameron's guy. He was he was the pumpkin Terminator. Um, that's where he got his clothes. The Terminator Arnold got his clothes from <clears throat> in the first one, and then he, of course he was Hudson. He was doing well. He was, but the, the, he was great in True Lies as the sleazebag oh, car dealer. He's so great in that. I, of all like the, you know, the whole like we lost someone too early. Like that one still kind of hurts me, because mm. I would like to see him in more. Like he was one of my favorites. Enchantress knew uh, him. She hmm? Enchantress really? knew him. Yeah, she's pictures with him. I heard he was a sweet guy. Uh, by all accounts, yes. <clears throat> um. Apollo 13 is in, like it's a fucking work of art. Um, this might be. Um, it's with Forrest and Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, We're back Forrest together. And Lieutenant Dan. So after Got Tom Hanks took the legs. movie, uh, Gary Sinise is like, I want to be in this. I'll be that guy. Yeah, he just wanted to be in it, and then too. And you got, you know, Kevin Bacon, who's just you know a handsome little devil. Uh, Bill Paxton's awesome in it. Ed Harris absolutely steals the show as Gene Kranz. In fact, then that line became so epic, which he never said. And then, but Gene Kranz, the real guy, loved it so much. He's like, "That's great," and he just put it on his book. And so everyone like associates it with him in that he actually said it. He never actually said it. Mm. Um, and then Kathleen Quinlan, which I think they threw in there to get like our moms, like, "Oh, Kathleen Quinlan, she was in that one movie that we like." She was in Apollo 13. Yeah. Was, she what? was nominated for a Golden Globe and an Academy Award for her portrayal in this film. Mm. Uh, and it's pretty accurate historically for the most part. Like they had to take some liberties here and there. The biggest thing that they had to do was just consolidate people. Because well, like, yeah, the thing is there's like multiple that, teams. Yeah. Like it wouldn't have been Gene ha or uh, Ed Harris's character the entire time in there for days on end. Like, there were rotations. So, like, a yeah, lot of people did a lot of different things. There's no drama in that. There's no drama in that. You can't, and you can't just, like, all right, it's been six hours, on, you know, real time, 15 minutes, movie time. Let's just swap out 50 different characters right now. So, you can't do that. You can't do that. So, unfortunately, a lot of people that did a lot of good don't get their name mentioned. But mm. still. Uh, technically, I mean, it's, like, spot on. Because this is one of those cool things where... They worked with NASA, and NASA like gave them carte blanche. Um, they used uh, they actually all like the weightless scenes, all the scenes in space were shot on uh, the vomit comet. So that means they I think they did a hundred. I wrote it down. Where is it? Six hundred and twelve dives. 
So that's 612 different takes. I want to ride on that. I would have the time of my life. That would be so cool. They, the actor said, like Tom Hanks said, it was the greatest experience filming ever. Like if we would have shot this on the wires and cables, it would have sucked. It would have been uncomfortable. Instead, you get to go and like just do nose nose dives. Where does it that fly? Is it Cape Canaveral? I don't know where they would do that out of. I, I don't just know would they... love to watch that going up, and it'd be so scary. Yeah, I would assume they. I would think maybe like more out west, like over the desert, because hmm. over the ocean, like you would. I don't know. Over the ocean, it would be like too too much weather. You have to worry about. I don't know. But they said the actors were fine. The camera guys were the ones throwing up, which makes sense because you're doing those dives and dips, and you're also looking through an eyepiece, which is going to make you even more motion sick. Mm. Um, but yeah, they had to do 612 uh, dives like that, and you only get like 26 seconds of weightlessness before they have to pull back up and you level off. So at like when you do the math, it comes out that they had like 50 some minutes of like weightless footage. So you got to be really precise. There's no multiple takes, one more for safety kind of shit. It's like we got it. Let's move on. Hmm. Uh, and so like the, and they built a capsule that went like in the plane that they shot in. And then they had other capsules that they built, even using some of the material, like from the original and the guys that built the sets, like the, the capsule and the shuttles and all that, the, not the shuttle, the rocket and stuff were actually done in Kansas at the museum that restored the actual Apollo 13 capsule as well. Hmm. So it like they went through like the detail. They even said like when the advisors were on set uh, at the mission control that the one guy would get lost walking off set because he would go down his normal route that he knew from master control and like to go to the elevator because master control would be on like the fourth floor. Now those but master they were on the sound stage, and he was like complete. He would like walk off set and then get lost right away because he said it was so accurate. Like piece by piece everything you thought you were really there uh all those guys went through like training they took like physics classes and stuff like that they like went through like every little detail yeah i've seen the training i watched that episode of uh, hulk hogan's rock and wrestling where nikolai volkov and hulk hogan trained to be uh (laughs) in outer space so i pretty much got it all down pat squeeze you don't have to really go into it uh their spacesuits were airtight like they were like they were like when they put those helmets on, they were like they would suffocate if they didn't have the air conditioning, like ventilation units hooked up to them. That makes they sense. cost 30 grand a piece just for the spacesuits. Fucking Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. They went uh, th- this. So this was directed by uh, Clint Howard's brother, Ron. Uh, see, Clint wait, Howard wait. was in this. He movie. played he first gonna... base for the Phillies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's his cousin. Oh. Um, but yeah, uh, Clint Howard was one of the, uh, uh, mission control guys and his brother, Ron was the director of this film, believe it or not. And then he would go on to be the narrator in, uh, Arrested Development. So, you know, there were big things for this guy. Um, I absolutely love this movie and it's, does it still hold up? It, it absolutely still holds up. When you saw it, were you all in? I was all in. (laughs) <laughs> there were some people that weren't though. I, I, there's one of my favorite things. I re- I read this like long ago, and I, it always stuck with me, where they had a screening for it, and one of the people absolutely hated this film in their notes, and they're like, 
this movie is garbage. It's just more Hollywood trash that we're to believe that this could happen and these guys come back alive. Typical oh, Hollywood ending. Yeah. It's like, you people are so fucking story. dumb. I, uh, Gary Sinise then went on to produce, I think with Tom Hanks and Spielberg too, or Ron Howard, the From Earth to Moon series on HBO. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that, I, we watched that yeah. in, in class. It was really good. Yeah, it is really good. That's what I love about Tom Hanks went on and just started directing like uh, historical dramas. Like he was the one behind the uh, well after Saving Private Ryan and he went on and produced uh, Band of Brothers, which is fucking fantastic. I, like I just yeah. found my box set the other day. I'm very happy I found that. You'd be able to watch on an HBO Max. Uh, put in promo, no, put in promo wanna... code Rad Years to get your free nothing. <laughs> 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 All right. All right. Oh, and don't forget, while uh, we're still talking about space, 4.33 okay. tonight. Oh, yeah. SpaceX. They're, they're launching a Launching spaceship. astronauts. Okay. Here is my I'm like a little kid right now. Next pick. I yes, believe there's a hero in all of us. Spider-Man 2, such a good fucking movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened with Spider-Man 3, but it all <laughs> went to shit. This movie came out in 2004 as a sequel to Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, which basically relaunched the superhero genre. And this movie did fucking great shit for it. It was uh, released June 30th, 2004 on a budget of $200 million and made $789 million. So this is definitely a summer blockbuster. Uh, and it was such a good story because they pulled directly from the comic books uh, to uh, build this. People love this series, Spider-Man, so much that they brought uh, J.K. Simmons back to play J. Jonah Jameson in the Marvel movies, which is just such a wonderful mm-hmm. um, little piece of of, of uh, um, nod to how great these movies were. Yeah. And the whole, like, like Peter Parker's confliction, how he keeps wanting to go and be there for Mary Jane, but he can't. And, and, and do you give up everything uh, that you, you, you are, you're supposed to be Spider-Man? You're this hero. You're saving the city. But do you give that up for your own personal life or not? And then he, it, they pull from uh, the Spider-Man No More arc, uh, even doing the shot of his costume in the garbage can. Um like shot right in the scene to do this this movie and then you know the people turn on him and everything and uh classic spider-man story arcs and the way what they did with with doc ock was was really great too uh i believe they pulled from i wrote this down in my notes but i don't see where i put it uh they pulled a great doc ock storyline um, I, oh, if, if this be my destiny, uh, the 1967, uh, uh, 1966 story arc, and then, and then of course they pulled from Spider-Man No More, uh, the debut of Doctor Octopus, and him has a good guy who's just turned because the the arms are controlling his brain is is just 
brilliant stuff. Um, we might have to start wrapping up soon because I have to film in here soon, Squeezer. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, this came out. Uh, it, it was huge. It, it got all the probably the best critically reviewed superhero movie at that time ever. Um, it broke the uh, it grossed 40.4 million on its first day and broke the record of 39.4 million until a year later when Star Wars Episode three Revenge of the Sith came out and made 50 million dollars. Um, it, it, it was a tentpole, a blockbuster, and it probably would have went on to spawn more than just three movies if Spider-Man 3 didn't suck so bad and they crammed so many villains into such a pile of trash. But Sam Raimi, I think, was so tired of doing Spider-Man movies, he says he thinks he self-sabotaged himself on that movie, and that's why it was so bad. <coughs> well, he did a great job of doing that. Squeezer, I know uh, you probably want to talk a lot about this, but... No, we can... We can, can I'll... I'll dense. We can talk about more later. Uh, and your next pick. And here we go. John McClain, NYPD. <laughs> On a good day, he's a great cop. You don't like me because I'm white. I don't like you because you're going to get me killed. <laughs> On a bad day, he's the best there is. On May 19th, McClain is back. You got a triple-A card? Bruce Willis, die hard, this time with a vengeance, rated R. All right, you only get one since we have no time, but I don't think All that right, fair enough. you have your triple A card is in the movie. What? I don't think that line, do you have a triple A card, is in the movie, is it? Yeah, they, they cut a lot from this film, including the alternate ending, which you can find online. So do yourself a favor and check for the alternate ending before I get cut off. And you gotta. There's a whole thing with a rocket launcher and Jeremy Irons, and it's great. He's a fantastic villain. I love that they tie it back to the first film. I don't want to take any heat for this. It's the best of the three or the five. I, it's it's well, I don't want to say best. I, I it's my favorite. <coughs> it's sure. my favorite too. Uh, it's my favorite. Samuel L. Jackson fucking kills it, and he's he's so good in it because it, for two things. One, he's basically playing himself, and he's said that it's the closest thing to him. Period. Like he's basically being him. And when he got the call for it, um, because Lawrence Fishburne passed, they went to Samuel Jackson and he said, oh, yeah, I've seen like I watched the first one like 30 times. Like it's like my favorite movie. So he jumped on it. So he's basically being himself in a movie that he wants to be in. Um, Jeremy Irons, always an awesome bad guy. Um, you got that hot Russian chick with those cool swords that's cutting cutting dudes throats. Mm -hmm. And you're just blowing up New York City left and right. And I love the convoluted um, uh, bank heist scheme that's going on throughout it that ties very closely to the first film. That even John figures out. He's like, I know the family. Like, he knows there's something else going on here. Mm -hmm. uh, it's great. It's got... It's, the pacing on it is good. It's quick, but it's still as an intelligent as you can get for a diehard film. And it's before they went completely over the top. There were some, they, it gets a little too much here. Whereas you can believe somehow he might survive the first one. Uh, the maybe falling from the cable probably would have killed them in this one. But, uh, he definitely gets his ass kicked in it too. But he's not jumping off of fighter jets like he does down the line. And he just wants some aspirin. 
He's got yeah, some and he just wants some, hangover. Just wants some aspirin. Uh, it's definitely go back and watch Die Hard with a Vengeance. It's so much fun. I remember when I first saw it too. Hot time, summer was, in the city. Hot time. I. It's my favorite opening too. It's so good. I love and that song. Boom. And then boom. They wanted to actually. Some people wanted to cut it because it came out right after the Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah, right. You know, like we made this movie. It's fiction. And Bruce Willis said the same thing. Anytime someone would uh, ask him about it, he's like, this is a movie. Please don't try to compare the two because you just basically trivialize the real tragedy. Too soon. Yeah, it's a movie. He's like, no, no, that's a real tragedy. This is a movie. Do not even put them in the same sentence together. You're being ridiculous. And he's right. Um, But yeah, I watched this. This was after my parents got separated. So my mom was trying to make more friends with the neighbors, whatever, like with the other lady up the street that was also separated. So get the kids together and shit on their husbands. Uh, And we were all there. And I was, what what year is this? 95? Yeah. So I was 12, right? I'm doing the math here. 93, yeah, I was 12. Yeah, I was going to be 13. My sister's 10. All her friends are there. So it's like a room full of middle-aged moms. And I was the oldest at 12. And then other bunch of little girls watching this at 10. And we start watching Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah, I mean... When I it, don't think they had any clue what it was. My dad was so excited when this came on pay-per-view. We watched this all day, every day, all day. Like this yeah, is they the wanted to turn it off. It's like, maybe this is too much for the kids. I'm like, know. no, 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 this is awesome. My dad was so excited. And then finally, towards the end, oh, right. when she cuts the guard's the throat, like the blood squirting like all over the wall down in the in the, the basement there, like to the vault. Yeah. So that's when my mom, like, she's like, all right, I'm done. And she like walked out of the room, but... I was like, dude, I was all in. I love this movie. Yeah, that was Mike slamming the door on our show. <laughs> We're cutting into his time, Squeezer. We got to wrap Wait, who's it in up. there? Mike. Z-Man. Hi, Mike. He can't hear you. I have headsets on. Well, you can tell him. I know that. You, you can say, I say hi. Okay, we got to wrap it up. Here is right. my last pick. Uh, oh, shit. You still got a pick to go? Yeah. Damn. Well, I'll go quick. None of man's fantasies of evil can compare with the reality of Jaws. Damn fish. But I'll catch him and kill him. Did you hear your father out of the water now? This shark? Swallow you whole. From the best-selling novel, Jaws, rated PG. Maybe too intense for younger children. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's PG. It was PG. There was no PG-13. No. Uh, and so, it's not an R. So uh, this movie I just wanted to mention, it opened in uh, June of 1975. It was a disaster of a shoot. It was supposed to end in like Ju- July. It went all the way to October, 100 days past the scheduled allotment. Spielberg thought he was never going to work again. He didn't show up on set the last day because there were rumors the crew was going to throw him into the water. And it started a thing where Spielberg is never on set the last day of filming. Uh it made it was shot for nine million dollars. It made almost five hundred million dollars. Basically, this and Star Wars set off the summer blockbuster tentpole movies. Before that, there was kind of just the dumping grounds where they put movies that they didn't think were going to perform. After these movies, they realized, oh, summer is when we have to put the genre movies. This is the move. This is when we have to put uh, big money movies and put push marketing, starting with the Super Bowl and all the way out, uh, a full scale marketing blitz <coughs> for movies. And we can make big monies. Uh, but that's it. This was the first summer blockbuster, and I wanted to quick mention it. Um, it still holds up. 
It it kind of does. It's it's rough in some spots. It's slow. When was the last time you watched it? Uh, <coughs> less than a year. Okay, same here. And it's it's very slow. Um, it is, but I, I would watch that Quinn speech any day. So would I. But that's it for the Rad Years podcast. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be back here with the show, the same Rad Time, same Rad Channel on radyears.com. Thanks for joining us. I'm RK. I'm Squeezer. Bye, guys. <laughs>